Thank you, Bob, and the Reber's. We're in the middle of a series in Philippians chapter 1 where Paul is saying, you have no idea how grateful I am for the partnership we have in the gospel from the first day until now. And what you've been able to experience in these last few moments is a really small part of that partnership we have with literally hundreds and hundreds of international workers who work in the Christian and Missionary Alliance in almost 80 countries around the world. So when Paul says, you have no idea how delighted I am when I come back and have the opportunity to interact with you, and the joy that that brings, that's exactly what they're trying to communicate. We're partners together in the gospel. You may never get to Green Mountains. You may never have the opportunity to travel beyond the United States. But with what we do, and every time you mark missions on your envelope or you're giving online, you're partnering with those 700-plus international workers who work around the world. And we want to be that place, like Paul said, when I come back here, I smile. When I come back to Community Alliance Church, I smile because I know that you understand the responsibility that I have. We're not only in partnership with international workers around the globe. In the Christian and Missionary Alliance, we are partnering with, at least in this context, in Western PA, if you divide the state in half, with 160 other churches who are doing what we do. We are hosting that event here this week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then a youth event on Thursday and Friday. So if you see a lot going on, you wonder what's going on, you pray for us, you can stop in. Great speakers, great lineup, wonderful celebration and evening services on Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday is the mission celebration. Uh, Pray for us, pray that it goes well, and that again, when they leave here, Jesus, as Paul prayed, just spilled out all over the campus of Community Alliance Church. Narrow the partnership down even more. Faith Fellowship is one of our sister churches that is going up Lick Hill and beyond that on 68. And Tom Bowser is one of the men that we partner with in Fishbone Ministries downtown in the Diamond. And if you saw the paper on Friday, he lost his son Jacob uh, to an automobile accident. And so they're having a service today, one to three viewing and a service at three o'clock. So I want to pray for them. God, I can't even fathom, so I'll never say I understand, but I can't even fathom what it's like for them to go through this today, and I pray for Tom and Sandy and the family, for Pastor Jenks as he shares the message, for the many hundreds of people who have been impacted by Jake's life in these short years that he's been here, for Fishbone and the ministry that it has there and the impact on that. And so, Father, we lift them up to you and we ask in the name of Jesus that you will surround them with your amazing grace and you will continue to work in phenomenal ways. May they know beyond the shadow of a doubt, even in the midst of the most unbelievably devastating pain, you are there and you are walking with them through the valley of the shadow of death. We saw that this week with the Glad family, so many other families that have been impacted by death and we pray you'll continue to strengthen and walk with them. We thank you that we can partner with Kirk and Alicia and for many others around the globe who are sharing the love of Jesus everywhere they go. May this be a great week here at Community Alliance for all the pastors and staff and families who come as a part of our fellowship here in Western PA. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let me read for you Philippians chapter 1. Paul is praying and thanking God for the connection that he has with this Philippian church. Out of all of the churches that he's ministering to, he's in a missionary endeavor. He's taking the gospel of Jesus. Jesus said, look, Take this gospel everywhere you go. The world was small at that time. Paul was doing exactly that. His hope was that other churches would support him in that endeavor. And so every so often, in this case, he's writing back to a church 
while he's in prison in Rome, possibly, and saying, I just want you to know what God has done through your ministry. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, God's holy people in Philippi, <clears throat> together with the overseers and deacons, the leadership. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God every time I remember you and all of my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. And I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending the gospel or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace to me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I want to be with you. I can't. I'm in prison. God knows how much I would love to be with you and share. So I'm praying from here in prison for you. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you're able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You have your sermon notes in your bulletin this morning. They're fall color. Yellow, gold, I'm not sure what, what it is. Goldenrod, thank you. I don't know the fuchsias and all those other. I just know Roy G. Biv and some of those. Now, last week we examined the first aspect of this prayer. It's one of those that you've got to pull the pieces apart because it is such a powerful prayer. Paul said, look, I'm praying for you. And so take it as our prayer. You've got to make this our prayer. Your prayer personally and our prayer as a church. And Paul said, I am praying for you that God's love spills out of you everywhere you go. That when people bump into you, whether by accident or on purpose, they bump into you, even if they get in your face, that you're not intense, you're not defensive, even when they do that, I just pray that love spills out all over the place. And that's not always easy to do. People bump into us, people take advantage of us, people run into us, people pull out in front of us. The list is endless, right? People jump in line in front of us in a line, the line at Walmart or the line at Giant Eagle takes forever. They've got 32 lines and only two open. No matter what they promise you at Christmas, they're not going to do it. And you want to, come on, hurry, I'm in a hurry. And you heard my story years ago back in the old sanctuary where I literally called them, asked them to look in that little magic window down there and recognize that I'm in line and I'm waiting for somebody to wait on me. And still to this day, I'm haunted by the fact that I actually said that out loud and that I knew the number off by heart. <laughs> Paul said, I just pray that you really have love spill out everywhere you go and that you understand the risks of love. And that you fully understand the risks of love. Every little 18-year-old couple that sits in my office when I tell them the entity of what they're going to face in marriage and when they stand in front of me for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, absolutely. And I say to them, you have no idea what you just agreed to or what you just signed up for. Even though they'll tell me, oh, we do. I love him so much. I love her so much. And they'll tell <clears throat> Any of you in here, I'm sorry, because you were so mature when you came into my office. And we did premarital counseling. Paul is saying, look, even, I'm, I'm praying that you fully understand the risks of love. And that you choose to love anyway. 
I am praying that you understand the risks of love, that you'll be hurt, that you'll be betrayed, that people will let you down. I, I'm praying even you to know all of that, that you will continue to love, that you understand all the risks, and you still love. What intrigues me about this letter to the Philippians, he doesn't take the time to define what look, love looks like, like he does to the Corinth church. The Corinthian church, every church that he went to, he prayed that Jesus' love would spill out, but somehow they didn't quite understand what it looked like, and so he said, look, you guys, Corinth, you don't seem to understand what love looks like. It's patient. It's kind. It isn't jealous. It isn't envious. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't demand its own way. It doesn't keep score. It rejoices in truth. It hopes the best for you. Matter of fact, it encourages the best for you. Here to the Philippian church, he writes like they completely understand what it looks like. Now, if Paul would write about us, I'd love to know what he'd say about us. I, I don't have to define it. You guys get it. I don't have to define it. You understand it. Let me go on. Verse 10. I pray that you understand all of that, the risks of love, and you continue to love. I pray that you're able to discern what is best. The word in your notes, approve or discern, is related to the concept of assessing the value of something. Have you ever seen those old movies of prospectors going out west and digging and sifting through the dirt and finding something that they think is valuable or they think is gold and they take it into town, pack it on their mule and they go into the assessor and the assessor has a process where he evaluates it and says, okay, what you have is fool's gold, it's pyrock, but boy, this one here, that's gold, man. That, that's the real thing. That's the valuable thing that you've been looking for. Paul prays that they would be able to understand the genuine value of things. The next word, best or excellent, in some translation, depending on which one you have, means that which rises above other things. Paul simply prays this, that you'll be able to determine among all the number of things out there in front of you, which ones matter most. That you'll be, you'll be smart enough, you'll be in tune with me enough, you'll be in the Word enough, that you'll be able to determine the real genuine value of things. That you'll be the assessor. And that's not a matter of looking at good and bad and trying to decide if I'm going to take the good or the bad. It's not that at all. Obviously, you want to choose the good, not the bad. But Paul is saying, my prayer is that you're able to choose what's best out of a number of things in front of you. I pray that you not just flip through life and take things as they come, but every once in a while, stop, look over all the options in front of you and determine which ones have the highest value and which ones don't. Because it would be a shame to spend the resources of your life on things that don't have much value, that really aren't that important. Someone said a long time ago, wouldn't it be sad to climb the ladder of success to find that it was leaning against the wrong wall? That you went after the wrong things again, not necessarily bad things, but things that, that weren't as important as things that have real value. Like people whose career becomes more important than family. Whose career becomes more important than family. And it's not choosing career over integrity, but choosing a title or rising to the top of the company over time with your family. Don't you pray that for your kids? Don't, those of you who are raising kids, don't you hope 
that your kids are able to see. i got to believe you pray for this. That your kids are able to see through all the glitter and all the hype and all the stuff that you have to have to survive. You cannot live without iPhone 10. You can't. So you might as well go out and get whatever. You, you just can't live without that. <laughs> Heard an advertisement on TV for glass-lined things underneath your office chair where the advertiser said, this will change your life. And I'm sitting there, you, don't you want to just DVR commercials every once in a while and say, did he really say that? This glass lining underneath my office chair is going to change my life. Don't you hope that for your kids, that they're able to sort through all the stuff of life and say, I don't have to have that. Well, they're going to learn it from us. They're going to watch us and, and try. they'll never tell you that, but they are watching how you decide what's really important in life of the things that we have to have. And in that, we're praying that they're able to determine what things have value and which things have don't and which things really do have the right way to go. Paul prays that you have a love so deep that it will spill out of you. And if that love is so deep, you'll not only in your sermon notes be able to determine what is most important, but that you will choose what is most important. And that's the key phrase. As a lot of us every once in a while know what's important. But whether or not we choose it is the issue. That you'll not only be able to discern, you'll be in tune with God, you'll be in touch with the Spirit, you'll be in the Word of God, you'll look at all the things and all the options in front of you, and you'll know what's important, but more importantly, you will be able to choose the most important. He continues in a prayer. That you will be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Another word for pure is sincere. Sincere means to be genuine, to be real, to be authentic. When a person who is sincere talks or tells you something, you, you know they have no hidden agenda or no hidden meaning behind that. What you see is what you get. You don't have to wonder whether or not that person's being honest. You don't have to wonder what's behind what they said. You don't have to wonder about their motive. You just know it. Paul said, I, I'm, I'm praying that you're that kind of person. You're you're that kind of person, when you tell somebody something, you have no hidden agenda, no hidden meaning. It infers that what you say, when you put it in bright light, is the same thing. That what you see on Sunday morning is what everybody else sees at work on Wednesday. That what we see on Sunday morning is what your kids see at home. It's what you see in the mirror when no one else is looking. Sincere means nothing hidden, no dark side. It's not teaching a class or preaching a sermon or singing on the worship team on Sunday and looking at porn on Monday or hanging out at the bar on Saturday night, choosing to cheat on your income tax, talking about somebody else, stepping over a line of any kind. It really means I get it and I understand it and I want to be the same person that everybody sees here on Sunday, that everyone else sees on Wednesday and Thursday and in my home and when I look at myself in the mirror. There's a lot of people in life who compartmentalize their life. Guys, most guys are, almost have a master's degree in that. Where they can compartmentalize their life and they've got their, their, their spiritual life and their secular life or their party life, whatever that may be. Sincere means all the parts are the same. Integrity means honesty at all cost. No matter what, honesty at all costs. True integrity means who you are in the dark when no one else sees but God. I pray, Paul said, that you're people of integrity. People are the same in all lights. This is a fascinating analogy I heard years ago. 
It's like the potter who is shaping a pot. You know, they put it on a potter's wheel and takes this lump of clay and makes something out of it. And all of a sudden you're amazed by it. And then when he goes to dry it, it gets a little crack in it. And so what he does is he takes wax and covers up the crack and then paints it with another color and then tries to sell it as perfect. The problem is when you put it near hot anything, whatever that may be, even a lamp or something hot, the wax gets hot, the wax begins to melt. And the flaw is discovered. Now, you don't have to be a rocket science to know where I'm going with that, right? Same is true in life. When the heat of life gets turned up in our life, the flaw will be revealed. Some people hide their cracks with activity. Some people hide with humor. Some cover their cracks with achievement. Some act as if they're really tough on the outside, but so afraid to deal with the inside stuff. They cover it up, ignore the issues, and pretend like it doesn't hurt anyone or anything. You can do that, or you can bring it to Jesus and let him heal it. Because I'm telling you, life is going to turn up the heat. Or maybe God will turn up the heat. And the flaws get exposed, and you've got to deal with the issue. Paul said, I pray that you do that, that you understand that. That you don't wait for that moment when the heat gets turned up or God says, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it up. Because I know what's best for you. You're my child. I don't care what you've been through, where you come from. You're my child. We sang about that. I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is that you're honest about that stuff. And you recognize that. And you bring it to me. And I begin to work at healing and bringing restoration to it. Pray that you're sincere, that you're honest with yourself, that you're honest with others, and you're honest with God. Blameless in that phrase doesn't mean perfect. Any of you perfect? Anybody, anybody here got it, got it all covered? How many, how many uh, your wives would say your husbands are perfect? Don't you? I, I never dreamed out of all the guys out there that I would marry someone perfect. Right? No. You don't. None of us are perfect. No matter what we say, no matter how hard we try, None of us are perfect. It literally means, though, without offense. It means that we live a life that doesn't cause others to stumble. Doesn't mean we're perfect. We're just trying to live a life that doesn't cause others to stumble and fall away. It obviously means you're living the kind of life that others would want to follow. Be our kids, other people in church, new believers, people at work. We're living the life that others would want to emulate. Got to believe somewhere in your life you've seen somebody and you've said, man, I love how they handle this or handle that or deal with this. I love dealing with them in business. They're so honest and upright. I don't have to wonder that they're as good as their word. I love dealing with that individual. I choose almost every business I ever work with based on relationships, not on bottom line. The kind of people that you know, you just trust. Paul said, I pray that you are that kind of person. That you're not perfect. But that others look at it and say, man, I, lo I love where that person's going. That I want to I follow that. So he's saying, I want you to be that kind of person that others want to follow. Why is it so important? Verse 11, that you be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. We will all stand before Jesus. Whether we like it or not, we will all stand before Jesus. There's a verse in Corinthians 
So we make it our goal to please him, whether at home or in the body or away from it. I need you to know we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one will receive what is due him, the things done in the body, whether good or bad. What he's referring to in Corinthians is not the great white throne judgment of God that we saw a number of months ago in Revelation chapter 20 where their names were not written in the book of life and they were cast out into utter darkness forever. What Paul's referring to here and what he has in mind even to the Philippians when he writes to them that you'll see and understand that so that when you stand before Jesus, you'll look back on your life and say, didn't start out well. Wasn't going well. But once I found you as my Savior, I made it my goal to do everything I could so that when I stood before you, I could see and hear, great job. Well done. That's what he's referring to, the Bema seat, or the judgment seat of Christ that he's referring to. When we even see the word judgment, it comes across kind of harsh. But what he's referring to is when... Uh, the Olympics or in the Olympics when the people that score the highest or run the fastest or whatever they did, they come at the end and the, the judge or a representative of the judge puts that crown on them or the ribbon over them or the banner, whatever that may be. He said, when you, when, when you experience that moment, when you've worked hard, you've done everything you could, you served God, you wanted to please him, Life wasn't perfect. You knew you weren't perfect, but you were doing your best to live a life that others would follow. And then you get there, and, and you, you get a chance to see Jesus face to face. And he said, man, welcome home. Well done. Things you did didn't matter. Didn't last. But boy, these things here. And out of all those options, you started choosing the right thing. Out of all those stuff in front of you, you work past the glitter and the glitz and, and all the junk and the accolades that go with that. And you, you made really good choices. You chose the right things. You let love spill out everywhere you went. It wasn't easy because people took advantage of you. Some ignored you. Some betrayed you. Some let you down. But, boy, you did your best to let love spill out everywhere you go. Paul says, I, I pray that you get to experience that. I really pray that when it's all said and done, you fully understand the fruits of righteousness, which basically means of a life well lived, that I, that I got it, that I understood it, that this is not a, a, a quick moment. I, I get to live a good, solid life, and then when I look back over it, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, and I committed my life to him, I recognize when it's all said and done and I look back over my life and Jesus looks back over my life, I'll, I'll see the results of a life well lived. He said, I'm really praying that you see that now. Because what I, I don't want you to do, he said, is when you get there, look back with regrets and say, oh, I should have, oh, I should have, oh. I wish I had a, he says, I just want you to live life I think Coase had a title in his series a number of months ago, Living with the End in Mind. This is what he's saying. I just, I pray that, that you live with the end in mind so that you look back over your life out of all the things in front. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. I have a blast in life. I love life. But when you look at it all, when you look back, you think, I, I want to make sure that the fruits of righteousness kind of follow behind me. That I did my best 
to make sure that when others looked at the life that I've lived, that they enjoyed it, they learned from it. Exactly what Kirk was saying about the last two years with fellow in his ministry. That when you look back on it, he saw what he wanted. And he began to start exploring it. And I believe we'll embrace it. Paul said, that, that's my prayer. That, that's what I want more than anything else I want. In your sermon notes, going to take work, a willingness to pray this way, a willingness to work hard at allowing God to work out this prayer in our lives. When we come to Jesus, we don't come perfect. Not a one of us in here are perfect. But when he comes to Christ, he changes me, and he, he calls me to live a life that makes a difference, that makes an impact. It may not be serving God overseas. We all can't. Matter of fact, you're going to touch people they never will. They're going to touch people you never will. It's not about going overseas or being in a ministry. It's just about loving, living, and impacting the people around you everywhere I go. Whatever I do, whatever you've called me to do, I want to make sure that when I look back over it all, and it's all said and done, I've done my absolute best. Don't worry about where you've been what you've done, or even where you are now. Just simply join Paul in praying that you'll be a person of love, that God, you'll help me to make wise choices, and you will help me to finish well. There's a verse in your notes from Psalm 139. One of the hardest sometimes to pray, but one of the most honest prayers that David could have ever prayed when he said, okay, God, here I am. Search me, look inside. You know, if there's any wicked way in me, anything that I'm doing that's not pleasing you, help me to get rid of it. I want to be honest before you because I know I'm going to see you someday. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter how you started. Doesn't matter even where you are now. Well, it must be nice, Pastor, because I, 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 I'm, I'm, I've lived a mess. My life has been a mess. I, I haven't made good choices. I haven't made the right choices. I had all this stuff in front of me and made the wrong in Jesus, that's all behind. When you embrace Christ as your Savior, that is all behind. It doesn't matter how you started. It doesn't even matter what you're doing or what you did or what you've done. It matters that you understand this and you pray it. And then you make an honest, solid determination to live it out. Paul said, I pray you understand that. And so do I. Father, we thank you for your word. <clears throat> thank you for its power. Thank you for its honesty. When people look at us, may we be CAC, a church where people can't wait to come. They can't wait to come home or they can't wait to be here in a part of our fellowship. They can't wait for Sunday when they see the friends. May we be the church that just spills out Jesus everywhere we go. Help us to be honest about the life we live, and call, we're children of the living God. So, Lord, we want to serve you. We want to live for you. So may this prayer be our prayer, that we will be able to discern what is best, that we will love fully understanding the risks, and we'll live a life of righteousness and be able to look back and say, glad I decided to follow Jesus. May this be our prayer.
Let the Spirit of God speak, Father, so that we can hear. pray for you in any way, I would be honored to do that. You obviously know that the Reavers are going to be out here in this table right out center door to the left. Get a chance to talk to them and connect with them in any way. Next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about what happens when things don't go as planned. Now, I know that's probably only going to relate to a couple of you, but we'd love to talk to you about that. Have a great week. God bless you.